So yeah, once again, my name is Taylor Griffin, and um, before we get started tonight, I'd love to just tell a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Briar, Washington, uh, which, thank you. If, you, if you didn't know, it's on the west side of the mountains. It's right in the middle of uh, like Linwood, Mount Lake Terrace, Bothell, Kenmore, Lake Forest Park, um, just right in that area. So uh, I'm also a central alum. Yep. Graduated last year with a BA in music. So I just, yep. Yeah, so I felt like the next the kind of natural career move was to go into campus ministry. Um, yep. So I'm an intern with Chi Alpha this year, and I'm married to uh, Cassidy Griffin, who's on staff. Yep. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's just the best wife, and that's just a picture of one of our date nights. Um, so, or maybe it was Halloween or something, yeah. Um, yeah, I just love Cassidy. I'm, she's couldn't ask for a better wife. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So I'd love to just start by telling a story um, about my freshman year of college. Uh, really, it, it was just kind of right after uh, my first year. Um, Ethan mentioned Sikkim. I got to spend just a week in beautiful Bellingham, Washington, uh, at Sikkim. And I, I don't even know if I knew what it standed for when I went to it. It stands for Student Institute of Campus Ministry. It's pretty easy to remember. Um, but uh, I just, that, that week was amazing for a lot of reasons. Um, I just learned a ton about God. Um, I learned a ton about disciple making. Um, it was like the first time that I really started to flirt with Cassidy. Um, so really good times. Yep, I would totally recommend it. <laughs> Go, going to Sikkim and, and fl- yeah, so there's Cassidy on the right and there's me on the left. We're babies. Yeah. So, wow, didn't expect that much. Yeah. So, <laughs> I really, I really remember, um, we, you go just go to a bunch of different sessions at Sikkim and, uh, so many of them are really memorable, but there's one um, that was taught by a gain, guy named uh, Jeff Mumley, and um, I remember something he said that, that afternoon. He said, <coughs> the Bible cannot mean to you what it didn't mean to them. And another way I've heard this said is that the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't necessarily written to us. So I'm just going to give a quick example. Um, So Deuteronomy 20, verses 19 through 20 says, If you surround and attack a city for a long time, trying to capture it, don't destroy its trees with an axe. Uh, You can eat the fruit from the trees, but don't cut them down. The trees are not the enemy. Solid wisdom. Uh, Don't make war against the trees, but you may cut down the trees that you know are not fruit trees and use them to build devices to attack the city walls until the city is captured. I just read this the other day, and I felt like it was extremely relevant to me and my current, you know, uh, so, I think that, uh, that was a joke, by the way. So, I think, um, thank you. I think that uh, this was written to a very young nation who was just trying to figure out how to do warfare. Um, so, I think that's just an example of how the Bible was, was definitely written for us in a lot of ways, but actually wasn't written originally to us. Um, so, who here has ever time traveled? If you haven't made time traveling a habit... I would recommend it. It's really fun. Um, if you're reading the Bible, you get to wear sandals. So that's a plus. Um, 
Hopefully everyone has a Bible uh, by now. Um, guys, we're doing a series this quarter on the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, so let's just start by getting in our time machines. I'm going to go back to about AD uh, 50. And you may not have known, but at this time, Christianity was still getting started. Uh, there should be a map um, on one of the slides. So this is just this is a picture. So you guys have probably heard of Paul. Um, Paul wrote about half the books in the New Testament. And he was also a missionary church planner. And um, this is like, this is a picture, it's kind of hard to tell, but there's some lines, and that's, it's basically a picture of his second missionary journey. Um, so he would just travel around on foot, sometimes by motorboat probably, um, to various towns throughout the Greek uh, portions of the Roman Empire. And it's, it really is important that we understand that there were no Christian churches at this time in history. So every time Paul was visiting a new city, he was church planning. Um, he would usually go to a town, visit the local Jewish synagogue on a Sunday, and explain the gospel. And people were hearing it for the very first time, and for the very first time, they were learning how to live Christian lives. Have you read the book of Acts? Al Mokor, probably should say yes. We read it last quarter in court. Yep, you might remember. Um, so in the book of Acts, you can read about uh, Paul and all the work he did as a missionary. Uh, and in chapter 17, Paul and Silas are right in the middle of this, this long missionary journey. Um, they're just arriving at a city called Thessalonica. They visit the, the synagogue, explain the gospel, and people start asking questions. Um, start pestering them to teach them some more. So the next week, they show up and they teach some more. And they spend about a month there church planning and Everything is going great. People are giving their lives to the Lord. And then, can you guess what happens? Paul gets chased out of town. No big deal. Uh, actually, both he and his buddy Silas uh, got, get chased out of town. Some of the people living in Thessalonica uh, apparently kind of get jealous of the following that Paul and Silas are gaining. Um, so we never hear if Paul actually ever got to go back to Thessalonica after this time kind of got cut short. Um, but we do have the next best thing, and that is what we're going to read tonight. We're going to read the letter that Paul wrote to this bunch of new Christians. So go ahead and flip open to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 1, and we're just going to read there, um, just the whole thing, verses 1 through 10. Okay, so Paul, Silas, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols 
to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Paul and Silas only got to spend a month in Thessalonica. They were starting a brand new Christian church. Some of the people they were writing to may have only been believers for like a few days before they had to leave. Um, how many of you want to have children someday? Someday, yeah. Um, Paul and Silas have a bunch of brand new babies. They're just baby Christians. Um, think about how you would feel if you had to leave your children behind. Like, that's probably one of the most difficult experiences you could have as a parent. Um, so as we read this first chapter, can you tell how much Paul cares for his children, like you would for yours? Can you imagine the thoughts racing through his head, like, they teach them everything they would know or they would need to know to follow Jesus. They set a good example for them. Are they going to survive the persecution from the people who drove us out of town? Um, if you're new to Chi Alpha, you may not know uh, that two of our wonderful staff, Tony and Melissa, had a baby last year. His name is Tyler. Should be a picture. Just love this, love this family. Um, what was it like when baby Tyler came into the wind's lives? Probably amazing. I mean, I, I can't imagine the, the experience. Um, but there's, a, there's like some things that they maybe had to give up. Like uh, they used to be able to go out whenever they wanted. Uh, they used to be able to travel risk-free of poop explosions. Um, they used to be able to live without someone depending on them for absolutely everything. Um, and Paul describes his and his team's life of parenthood. And he uses these phrases like, work produced by faith, and labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses these concepts to characterize the Thessalonians' lives, but where, where would they have learned these things? Probably from Paul. So how might this life of work, labor, and endurance apply to us as university students? What does work look like that is produced by faith in Jesus? Does it look like going to your gen ed classes, like half the time, because they're not really relevant to your major? What kind of habits are you establishing for yourself in the little things uh, right now as a college student? Because did you know that when you're a parent, um, you'll have someone who requires your attention 100% of the time that they're awake? That's kind of scary to think about. Uh, what kind of responsibility is Paul communicating in this letter? I think another application might be, um, what kind of love does it take to work or labor this hard for other people? Melissa and Tony work hard to meet all of Tyler's needs. And that takes discipline and humility, honestly. And they're probably only able to do it because of how much they love Tyler. Um, can I tell another story? So before this intern or this uh, job as an intern, Kyle, which I will say is by far the best one yet, should pray better in the internship. Um, I had a number of jobs, uh, but one stood out as I was uh, preparing for this message. My first full-time job, I did landscaping during the summer, uh, which basically means that I just pushed a lawnmower for like ten hours a day. Um, <laughs> I remember how my life really followed a pretty repetitious routine. I just get up eat breakfast, read Bible, drive to work, work all day, drive home, shower, stuff my face with dinner. 
Uh, and I used to dream throughout the day about the meal that my mom would have waiting for me. I was just really lucky my mom cooked for me. And she would make these amazing, massive casseroles, uh, the good kind. That, and I would just absolutely devour them. Um, and that's, that's like what I had to look forward to every day. Uh, Monday through Friday, that's how pretty much how my life looked. Um, and there's one day that really sticks out in my memory. Uh, so picture this. It's Tuesday, mid-90s. I worked up quite a sweat. And I've just finished a run of five back-to-back lawns in a neighborhood, and now I'm moving on to the final sixth one. And this particular lawn belongs to Jeff Thompson. Yep. Classic Jeff. Uh, now, different customers, you know, want their lawn mowed at different levels. Um, so, like, the grass is a certain length, I guess. I'm okay with that. Um, but Jeff, he always wants his lawn cut down to look like a putting green. Um, and this doesn't make any sense to me because his lawn is like one part dead brown grass and two parts dirt. <laughs> there should be a, a slide. I tried to find a picture that kind of, um, oh, that's, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty bad picture, kind of pixelated, but that's sort of like what I'm working with. Um, but I'm not really in a place to argue with the customers, so what do I do? Just push my lawnmower up to the yard, hike it down to the lowest level, and freaking go for it. Um, and guys, when you've got a lawnmower that low to the ground with this kind of terrain, um, you're just creating a tornado under there. Um, so I'm just going along the ground, making sure to cover every square inch of yard, and looking like what I can only imagine was a moving cloud of dust. Um, by the time I finished the yard, my sweat had acted as the perfect adhesive for the dirt to attach itself to my skin. So I walked out of there looking probably like a cartoon character. Uh, my whole face, my arms, my legs, uh, every inch of my exposed body was just covered in nasty dirt. And I had four more hours of work to do that day. But I distinctly remember uh, that waiting for me at home would be one of my mom's fat casseroles. <laughs> and that's how I made it through the rest of that day. And many days like it. I needed hope that day, and the casserole provided it. So you may see where I'm going with this. What does hope look like that's inspired by, or that inspires endurance? For me, it was a casserole. Maybe for Tony and Melissa, they hope for like four hours of uninterrupted sleep. Uh, when was a time that you endured a difficult time in your life? Maybe you're going through that time like right now. And what gives you hope? How does hope in Jesus affect the way you approach obstacles in your life? What can we learn from these guys about how to endure suffering? Verse 6 says, uh, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So how do you have joy in the midst of severe suffering? Well, James 1, 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So it seems like James is saying that it's a good thing to go through trials. Um, it's actually, he's saying it's a good thing to have your faith tested. 
He even goes so far to say, you should be joyful. So how do you have joy in the midst of suffering? Well, in the Christian life, suffering only brings joy and not despair. We may not be happy all the time, but we can be joyful because we know that we are being made more mature and complete in the Lord. The reason Paul and Silas were able to work so hard, even in the midst of severe suffering, was because their satisfaction didn't come from their circumstances. It came from their hope in Jesus' return. It came from the hope in eternal life with God. I'm going to transition here uh, to a new topic, and I don't want you to miss it. So here we are on enduring suffering. Now we're going back to the the, uh, beginning of verse 6. Are you still with me? Are you in your time machine still? Okay, so um, who here loves the fact that they are their own person? Aren't you grateful to live in a country where individuality is not only tolerated, but it's actually really cherished and encouraged? Um, Not every country in the world is like that. And I think there are so many good things about being exactly who God made you to be. Uh, But I also think that there's not everything about our culture of individuality matches the culture of the kingdom of God. Isn't it cool that Paul lived in such a way that people thought it was a good idea to actually follow his example? Um, How did Paul have comfort in asking people to imitate him? Because it almost sounds kind of like prideful and arrogant to me, I guess, like to say like, oh, hey, you should like do exactly what I do. Um, To tell you the truth, I think the reason Paul felt confident saying it is because he spent time with Jesus. Because he talked with Jesus. He loves Jesus. He was imitating Jesus. So he wasn't really asking them to imitate him. Um, He was just pointing to the one that he was imitating. We need to stop focusing so hard on finding out who we are as individuals. We need to start focusing on who we are in Jesus. And I know this just sounds kind of Christian-y to say, but it's just the truth. Um, Anything else that you put your identity in is going to let you down. As a musician, I'm not going to put my identity in my ability to play the piano because there's always going to be someone that's better than me. Um, I mean, you you really don't want to put your identity in your grades because then what happens if you fail? Oops, I guess your identity failed. Isn't Jesus the only logical thing to identify with? Like, he can't fail us. So how do we know whose behavior is healthy to imitate? Here are a few suggestions. I think the first way we do this is by reading the Bible um, so that you know how Jesus lived. John 1.18 says that that Jesus made God known to the rest of the world. So we need to be steeped in the Gospels. We need to take time to hang out with Jesus and read about what he did. The second way is by observing your leaders and also, and see if their behavior lines up with, with Jesus' behavior. Because we, we have just, like, things in our modern-day culture uh, that Jesus may not have explicitly addressed because they didn't exist. So see how your leaders live. Um, observe their relationships. Learn from them on how they study the Bible, how they worship God, what their spiritual disciplines are. And test their behavior with the principles you see from Scripture. I really had the privilege of um, having many Christians whose faith I could imitate. 
uh, many of whom are in this room. Um, my freshman year, I specifically remember my dear friend, Carl Kempel, who was constantly modeling valuable behavior for me. Jesus was shining out of this man. Carl was a senior who lived next door to me um, in, in my, my freshman year in Alma, and I got to see him reading his Bible every day. He would read, and then he would share with me what he learned. And winter and spring quarter of that year, Carl and I would walk down from Almo to Holmes Dining early in the morning, before they were even open, um, to pray and worship and read the Bible together. We got up at 5.30 a.m. so that we could have two hours with the Lord before our 8.30 a.m. class. 8 a.m. class. And Carl was the one to model that behavior. And I just, I just benefited greatly from, from imitating him. I wanted the same kind of life that he had because he loved Jesus with his whole heart. So who's someone that you admire? Who's someone that you'd like to be like? And how could you seek to be more like them? Also, flip it around. Um, who in your life do you really need to stop imitating? Like a TV show character who's kind of living a sketchy lifestyle, sleeping around, or your friend who tries to look cool by pretending to not care about his classes, or a boyfriend or girlfriend who just doesn't love the Lord in the same way that you do? Uh, we're going to make another transition here. I really don't need to miss it. So let's just go verse 7. So you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known all down the seacoast into the capital, Athens. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Guys, what if people were talking about us? Like, what if people were talking about how hard we worked for the Lord, about how much we loved the God and how we had turned to him, abandoning our idols? Paul first reminded the Thessalonians of how they imitated him and Jesus and now he affirms them by saying that they have become models themselves. We're always talking about making disciples who make more disciples. Well, this is exactly what has begun to happen. Um, so what does it look like to model behavior? I think that everyone is a model. Uh, just Some just choose to do it intentionally. Um, so it may be good to ask yourself, how am I modeling my faith to others? How is my life a living testimony? This kind of comes back to my earlier question about working hard as a student. And I'm just going to say it, but guys, we, <laughs> we need to start spending less time binging TV shows on Netflix, start taking our, our futures seriously. Or maybe you need to stop idolizing your schoolwork. I think either way, we need to examine our priorities. Allow me to ask another important question. Do you feel the need to look perfect to others because they know you're a Christian? Are other people intimidated, you be, uh, intimidated by you because of your holiness? Don't get me wrong. People should notice there's something different about you, but it shouldn't be that you have everything figured out. It really shouldn't be that you're a perfect person. 
if you were a perfect person, you wouldn't need Jesus to save you from God's wrath. It's called being a Pharisee. You're doing that. It's not a matter of being perfect, but of who makes us perfect. Jesus said, it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. That's Mark 2.17. Or uh, even another time, Jesus says to the Pharisees, the selfish, righteous people, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. That's Matthew 21, 31. So notice the way that Paul says the Thessalonians are a model. Did he say, uh, yeah, they tell uh, about how you were doing everything perfectly, so God gave you the thumbs up. No, he says they, tr- they tell how you turned or repented to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his son from heaven who raised who we raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There's no mistake in the minds of the Thessalonian believers. They told everyone how they used to live in sin and darkness, and now how they, lear- how they live for the one true living God. They openly acknowledge that Jesus rescues them from God's wrath, not their own way of right living. So does this mean that we continue to sin so we appear in need of saving? Well, that probably wouldn't make any sense either. We're, we're supposed to live as those who are grateful of the act of mercy that God has showed through Jesus. We're indebted to Jesus for his sacrifice on our behalf. So how can we model this kind of faith? We can, I think we can turn from idols in our lives, whether you're worshiping your phone or your grade point average. And we can be verbal about how grateful we are to God for saving us, so that others know that we're not perfect on our own. In conclusion, what have we learned from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians so far? We learned that hard work is a part of normal Christian, Christian living. And you can have hope in Jesus' return. We learned that we're called to imitate those around us who have mature faith and to imitate Jesus, as we see him in the Gospels. And we've learned that we're to be an example to everyone around us <coughs> of what a follower of Jesus looks like. So worship team um, can count start coming up now. Um, and I've just got some questions uh, I'd love for all of us to ask ourselves as we reflect in this time of worship. Um, and those are should be on the screen. Um, am I honoring God with my ability to work hard? Or if I am working hard, am I constantly complaining about how tired I am so that everyone knows how hard I'm working? Um, how have I chosen to imitate Christ recently? And if I haven't, how am I going to start doing this? And the third one is, how do I need to change my words and actions to show the people around me what it, what it means to follow Jesus? Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us the perfect example in Jesus. We thank you that your grace is greater than our failure to not measure up. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a good example to our friends and classmates. Would you remind us, 
God of the reason for our hard work. Remind us how hard you worked, how you labored and endured for us. And help us to do the same for others.